begin, uh, Alex, as our guest, uh, would you like the theme song in English or needlessly German? <laughs> I am so excited to be asked this question, and let's go German. Einstein, Hunter, Frankfurt! Einstein, Hunter, Frankfurt! It's a podcast, Knauts! Und mit Maximalen, Schau! Doc Frankfurt Podcast? Correct! Welcome to the Dog Zone 9000, the official podcast of 1900hotdog.com. With me is my co-host and partner, the legendary cracked columnist and word puncher, Robert Brockway. I, I feel like I'm more of a sidekick. Can I be a sidekick? <laughs> henchman. I want to be a henchman this time. The 1900 hot dog henchman, Robert Brockway. Yeah, boss. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, of course, <laughs> boss Sean Baby, and our special guest... From the secretly incredibly fascinating podcast, the brilliant, the charming, the dominating Jeopardy champion, and our old cracked colleague, <laughs> Alex Schmitty. Guys, it is so good to be here, and I feel like I'm closer to that theme song than ever before. Like, Because when I hear it, I, I grow in height and gain muscle, and I, I did more than ever before this time. So that, that was really nice. You, you do sound it, super buff. It bummed. is... <laughs> Diet, dietary speaking, it is classified as a type of milk. <laughs> our, our German theme song is a type of milk. Yeah, for nutrition's <laughs> needs. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, ja, ist milk. Ist milk, yeah. Yeah. Ist good milk, yeah. <laughs> so, Man, uh, we cannot, we, can, we got to stop asking if they want the, the English or the German because it's always going to be German. No one's ever going to pick I think we, we've, be, we've, beaten you, we've beaten ourselves. Everybody's going to think we're running the German podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's also, it's a great way to test how much actual German your guests know. And I have revealed, I don't know the word for milk. So not very much. <laughs> most, most of the song is about milk. Yeah, we, it's a little red herring for our German language speakers. <laughs> So today our um, our podcast is about grifters and swindlers. I think um, it's something a lot of people find fascinating. I think for a few reasons. I think uh, because when liars get caught, it's funny and uh, sort of satisfying. Uh, and I also, uh, personally, I'm not a psychologist, but I think there's like a comfort in knowing that you weren't stupid enough to get caught by something stupid. And uh, there's like a, when you see a huge group of people just like clinically dumber than you, I think that's a really nice feeling. I mean, Alex, you probably walk around like that all day long, but, um, <laughs> but I think like sometimes I'll like wake up and I think, Oh God, my head is splitting in half. I forgot again that the human body wasn't designed to hold 30 beers. I'm such an idiot. And then I think, wait, 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 at least I could tell Donald Trump was a lying idiot. So I'm not like, there's 70 million people dumber than me. And that's like a nice comfort when you're, you know, when your head is ripping in half. It's the way I look at it. And you haven't, you haven't even mentioned my favorite part of why I prefer comedy, which is that I would like to be one someday. Oh, you want to be a grifter? Yeah, I would love oh. to be a. I would love to grift. Are you kidding oh. me? Grifting sounds great. <laughs> what uh, I just, I feel like. What field of grifting do you think you'd like to get into? Oh, I think, I think some kind of insurance scams oh. would be good. Like, but I would like to sell fake insurance for like, 
for things that people don't think they need insurance, like embarrassment insurance. I feel like I could sell <laughs> new types of insurance like to people. I, I think yeah. I would like to be involved in an insurance grift if I had to do something wacky. Like if I had to pretend to be a, a burn victim or like stay in a wheelchair or something like, oh, my car accident broke my legs. And then like wacky hijinks happened. Like people would stab my legs and I'd have to like pretend like it didn't hurt. Like um, dirty rotten scoundrels. Like a Rob like Schneider bit. Like a Rob Schneider bit. I would love. I wouldn't mind wearing like a monkey suit or something. I, I, yeah, I don't want. I don't want to watch it in a movie, but I would love to live it in life. Yes. Yeah. So I'm taking. I'm talking a gorilla suit in a wheelchair, and someone getting the idea. I'm going to prove this gorilla can walk. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't mind being a part of that grift. It sounds like well, that's the name of the movie. I also. I like the, when you said like, walk. "Hey, what kind of grifter would you want to be?" The first classifications i thought of were is it like lone wolf grifter or team of two oh, grifter right. or if you cl- like classify oceans 11 as a grift even though it's a robbery you know like how many people are right. you teaming up with for this is to me the classifications it's a big personality thing yeah like uh, if you were reading a novel uh, about grifting and you met a grifter that that's the kind of like answer they would give like an actual grifter would would, would say like what kind of scam we running <laughs> a Betsy DeVos? Yeah. A flip around toodle-doo? The old Philadelphia four square? Are we, are we doing the Ocho today? We're running a gorilla wheelchair. I love... <laughs> a couple of real marks. Sean, I love the idea that Betsy DeVos lives out in culture as a grift type. Like, that's in, in the legacy <laughs> section of her Wikipedia page. It's mainly that she's a grift. That would be the best. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not a, a Man, gifted I'm... improv comedian, but that, like, apparently is in the part of my brain that holds information about grifting, just Betsy DeVos's name. So I, I don't know. Um, she should feel a little guilt by association that I chose her <laughs> I mean, that. whatever else she's done, I would like to go down as a grift someday. <laughs> I, would like, I would like my name to be a grift. <laughs> uh, before we begin with the grifting, though, I think one of, uh, Alex Schmidt, I think one of your admirable qualities is your uh, positivity. Oh, and, thank you. And uh, Brockway, it's... Uh, it's something you and I are capable of, but it's not our strong point. So what I'd like to do is sort of normalize our vibe. Uh, I'm going to give each of you the same problem, but with very different solutions. So I want each of you to think of something that is popular, but also that everyone says sucks. And Brockway is going to explain why everyone is wrong about his, how the thing is actually good. And um, Alex is going to explain how everyone is right, how his thing actually sucks. So for example... If the topic was, uh, say, popular national salsa brand El Paso, Brockway might say, It's maybe not very spicy, but it adds a nice tang to my favorite chip and south of the border dishes. Flawless did you Brockway get, impression. Did you get a recording of that? I don't remember you recording me while I said that. <laughs> this, this is starting to feel sponsored by El Paso. Is this an El Paso grift? This is the old El Paso, yes, isn't it? This is the old El Paso. The old El Paso. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> On the other hand, the on the other side of that El Paso coin, uh, Alex might say, "Great job, El Paso," or should I say, "El Aso"? You put flaccid peppers in your corn syrup. You deserve every bad thing anyone ever said about you for puking in antifreeze and calling it Mexican food, like Alex Schmidt might say. <laughs> yeah, has said. Yeah, all of, on the all record. of those multiple accents are my voice. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I started. I started a German accent. Realized I wasn't hitting it and just bailed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, 
It's like you traveled back to the United States through a few other countries. Like you hit Ireland in there. It went a little bit of Scottish. Took a trip through the Virgin Islands, maybe. And we all, we landed back in Mexico with the delicious flavors of El Paso. So that was just my example. Brockway, let's start with you. What's something that everyone says sucks and they're wrong about it? Me. (laughs) Uh, Journey. The band Journey. Wait, someone thought Journey sucked? Everybody thinks Journey sucks. It's a punchline in so many movies. Okay. Steve Perry. Steve Perry. Like it's just it's just meant to suck. And like that's the joke is that's the worst part of the eighties was Journey. And I argue that Journey is great. Unironically. Like I I don't listen to Journey to laugh at it. I genuinely like it. I love their earnestness. They just he leaves everything. He leaves everything he's got out there and like Sometimes he looks like a goddamn dork. I get it, yeah, but there's a, there's a video I, I admire where, him for doing it. Where he's like trying to look tough in like a, a tank top that, that's really funny. And the other dude is like air keyboarding every time they cut to him. <laughs> I think uh, it's separate ways where he has like yeah. the keyboard on the side of a garage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, you're yeah, they're right. goofy as shit, but they're willing to do it. They're willing to do it and they mean it. There's no like, there's no hint of irony on their part either. There's no like... Yeah, we think this is funny. They think everything they do is awesome. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a great answer. So I my my answer to my prompt of what something people say sucks and, and it does suck, I I will peel back the curtain a bit for the listener to say I knew this question was coming. And I think that's <laughs> like I also brought a band and in a very similar way. So I'm very amazed by this. Because oh. uh, I, I thought of Nickelback. Like, there are so many bands that are the punchline band, like Robert was saying. Like, it's used as a joke. It's right. used as shorthand for a bad band. And most of them are at least okay or or are at least succeeding right. on their own terms. And Nickelback is that bad. It is just kind of corporate. Yeah. It's like there's an edge, but not in an interesting way or a good way. It's, it's really dire. It's a horrible band. That might be uh, clinically the best answer. Like, I, I, oh. think, <laughs> I think that's a really strong answer. Thank you, doctor. Yeah, <laughs> they're really bad. Like, it's, you know it's bad when you ask me to name a band in that genre and I, I, that, that's better than Nickelback. And I can unironically say, Creed. Exactly what I thought <laughs> of. The, it's Robert, the only band. Robert, the you only and me band are on is better than. deeply the same wavelength today. I love it. Yes. Creed <laughs> is, like, totally fine and is in that same genre. Yeah, exactly. Neither of you guys picked a salsa, a, a, a national salsa brand. <laughs> no. Well, what is there left to say about El Paso? <laughs> Sean, the uh, griff's over. Walk away. Walk away. You're in too deep. <laughs> abort. Abort. <laughs> God damn it, El Paso. I failed you. They know. And I, because I was thinking through, I, I don't mean to keep us on this, but I was thinking through, like, what are the other punchline bands? And, like, Dave Matthews' band is mm-hmm. fine. And Coldplay has, sure. like, Four good albums, probably three or four. Like they're yeah, they're they have, not bad they at have all. Many good songs. Yeah, they're at least like tolerable. You know, like right. put you you put that on and like ah, Dave Matthews. That my well, thing. Nickelback. Well, whatever. Well, it's ba- it's like it's background. The worst thing it does is be. Let's <laughs> do that. <laughs> that's the, that's the worst thing it does, and that's not so bad. <laughs> I yeah. was just making uh, armpit sounds, and you guys knew exactly what song I was farting. <laughs> That's the, da- the magic of Dave Matthews. So, uh, Alex, as our guest, uh, why don't you go first with uh, the grifter you'd like to uh, share with us? 
Well, thank you. Uh, and yeah, this is very fun because I especially I love that idea, Sean. Like you said, of people wanting to feel smart or like, or I feel like maybe they want to feel like they know the world by learning about these people. Like then they know how how it, it, systems work. You feel like a bit a bit more wise. You're like, oh, I'll never get caught by that grift because I know about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that exact grift. Any variations on it might still get me, but that exact grift. <laughs> No. Like an, an orangutan in a wheelchair still might get you. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, and this one is incredibly specific, but it's uh, the story of a guy named Boris Skasarev, who there. That's a good name. It's a great name. And it's a good name for a grifter. It's a good grifting name. Because <laughs> no one could spell it the same way twice. Right. You're off the grid automatically. Like no one can track you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's not, um, as far as like, online sources for his story i don't think the sources are very good like he's i know he's mentioned in a cracked article but that only links like three things and the wikipedia article links about 60 and and seems to be the best source i could find online about this guy but all that being said it's the story of a guy who started out as some kind of extremely minor russian noble before the russian revolution and then just like up scammed his way through nobility into being king of Andorra for like a week or two. And Andorra is a country. I don't know if people know that, but it's it's out there. That's the king of grifts. Yeah. <laughs> to be a king, yeah. It's called an Andorran DeVos. The old Andorran king grift. <laughs> they named it for him. Did he start out as a noble? He actually was a noble and then started grifting? Because that's that's so good. Yeah, and it's it seems like it's the kind of thing where he was may he he might have been some kind of noble and that's like the first and last real thing about his life though the whole rest of it is just lies and tricks like like the whole rest of the way but he because he was born so in, how does one like oh go ahead move up nobility with grifting yeah for for purely research purposes <laughs> <laughs> yeah this guy he was born in 1896 in present day lithuania but then part of russia and the internet says he was some kind of minor noble but he would call himself a baron the like the entire rest of his life, even though the internet also says that like Russian feudalism or whatever didn't really have very many barons. That was that was sort of not a common thing there. So it's very unclear whether he was an actual noble or just like had some papers forged. Because it was it was the previous okay. century. There was no tracking of anything, you know? It was great. I gotta say that is still way more recent than I was thinking when you said the scam. I was like, I don't know, fifteen hundreds. Oh yeah, <laughs> surely, surely there's some sort of, it's some sort of barrier to entry to just some dickhead becoming king anytime after like I don't know, seventeen hundred tops. I, I do sort of picture like in eighteen ninety six, you could just tell someone you were a baron, and they wouldn't have any idea how to check the paperwork on that. Right, like somebody tried. Somebody has to have tried that before. 1896 sure. and then they're like we got to check on this but no <laughs> nobody tried it <laughs> no defenses in place like when you go to summer camp and you pretend you're cool you're like you know actually at my school i'm very very cool it's like when you go to andorra and you're like you know i'm actually king back in my own country and... right it's exactly like that time i tried that at summer camp yeah did it work <laughs> no <laughs> it really did they had better defenses than andorra <laughs> Better counter espionage. <laughs> yeah, and I also feel like you're all correct. And it's this partly was able to happen as recently as the nineteen thirties because Andorra is a really strange country. 
like to I don't know it well, but to me, Andorra almost feels like a scam in and of itself, like how it's set up. It's it's a very strange place. I don't know how much you guys know about it. Oh man, we're so same wavelength today. <laughs> this will come this will come into play later. <laughs> oh, okay, great. Because uh, yeah, it. Uh, do either of you know like where it is? I, I had to Google it to double check. I didn't really know. I don't. It sounds like it must I, be somewhere near Russia. I only know them for their sweaters, and that I'm wrong about that. <laughs> <laughs> I love a goat's joke. That's great. Uh, so Andorra is what's considered a micro state and it's on the border between France and Spain and the Pyrenees mountains. And like today it's population is about 76,000 people, which is not a lot for an entire country. Like I live in, I yeah, live in no. Durham, North Carolina, which has more than three times that many people and is a city, but not, you know, massive or anything. Um, have you tried declaring yourself King? <laughs> <laughs> I should, yeah. <laughs> yeah they, you never know. They might not have any defense against it. <laughs> but I, I only seize an equivalent of Andorra's population. Like, I'm only king of Southwest Durham, <laughs> right. specifically. Yeah. <laughs> you, would, you would have two rival kings going by Andorran numbers. <laughs> and uh, so Andorra, the, the articles about it describe a lot of history that led to it existing, because it's way too tiny to be a country, you would think. But as far as I can tell, it exists partly because they, uh, centuries and centuries ago, worked out a government where there are two kings who are called co-princes. So, like, two people are the ruler of Andorra. One of them is the Catholic bishop of Urgell, which is, like, the chunk of Spain next to it. And then the other king is the king of France. Uh, And now, and then when they had the French Revolution and everything, that switched to the head of state of France. So, like, the current rulers of Andorra are the president of France and the current Catholic bishop in northeastern Spain, which is very strange. So you're telling me the president of France could also put on his resume co-prince of Andorra? Yes, like, for real. I just, I want to know if they, do they have to snuggle together on one big throne? (laughs) Is it like a... Like an on-my-lap situation, and then they, they trade off. I was wondering, uh, Alex, if you could sing any songs you know about Two Princes. <laughs> no one has written one. It's impossible. <laughs> Science has proven this. First. <laughs> that is, I like that that's so much more famous than the actual Two Princes of Andorra. Like, that's <laughs> way better guys. known. <laughs> They're like... Somewhere in heaven, and they're like, "Yes, I was co-prince of Andorra." And the other guy's like, "Oh, you like, He's like, "Why does everyone keep doing that to me?" Well, and then the the other stuff about Andorra that is like funny and scammy to me is they are not part of the European Union, but they use the euro, which seems like classic dumping responsibility for being in the European Union. Like, great job. And then they also. Oh, you can just do that? Yeah, Andorra has a special relationship with the European Union, where they're not in it, but they have the euro. That is a solid grip. Yeah, it's great. I, I'm very impressed. Fuck, I'm, I'm just going to use the euro. <laughs> that's, what, that's my thing now. It sounds like this right. country's made entirely out of loopholes. <laughs> yeah, and because then, also, if I'm reading the internet right, their economy's main sectors are tourism, especially skiing, and part of that, I would guess, is just people being like, holy shit, I'm in Andorra. Like, no one goes here. Uh, and then their other economy things are duty-free shopping and being a tax haven. Like, it's just a scam. 
This country oh, yeah. is entirely a trick yeah. to like get around European law. Just a network it. of scams. <laughs> also, I, I picture grifters skiing a lot. That's the grifter sport, I feel. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I just, I don't, I don't picture any, anybody skiing and being trustworthy at the same time. Yeah, you know, like that little hop that they do, just evading all the time. Can't trust it. Can't trust that little hop. Because <laughs> also, like, if you're up in the lodge and somebody starts to figure out you're a grifter, you just escape downhill real fast. You're like, whoop, gotta go. Right. right. That's my time, you know? And like four minutes of skiing and you're in another country. Boom, escaped. Right. <laughs> always, always just losing the ski cops. Damn, he's out of our jurisdiction. <laughs> it's like it's like that scene in 25% of James Bond movies where there's a ski chase. Yeah, I, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> the worst part of 25% of James Bond movies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Has he ever tried to just like grab hold of a tree and like have them all shoot past him? Because if you go past somebody on a ski slope, like you can't ever get our back. chase is over. <laughs> <laughs> like, End of chase. Damn it, did we did we just shoot past him? Oh, we're so fired. <laughs> oh, I really hope so. And then they engage their rocket skis or some shit. Fuck you, James Bond. <laughs> Unrelated to anything. Fuck you, James Bond. That's the grift. How did that get eighty movies? <laughs> yeah, clever scheme. Well, and and then this guy Boris. So Boris born in born in like Tsarist Russia. And then the Russian Revolution happens. And so he flees the country and then basically spends the rest of his life going around Europe, declaring increasing amounts of nobility and like exploiting the Russian Revolution, like saying, well, the records are back in communist Russia. How would we get that? Anyway, I'm a baron. Mm-hmm. And he also claims he went to the Lycée Louis Le Grand in Paris and then went to Oxford. And both schools later oh. confirmed he never went there. That wasn't true. Uh, he claimed to be friends with the Prince of Wales as a child. That was never true. He just invented stuff about himself all the time, uh, which is fun. It's good, uh, good scamming. Yeah, man, that that would have been so easy pre-internet days. Like, why wasn't everybody a grifter? Why wasn't that just? Why wasn't there think. like a community college, a trade school for grifting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no electronic records, no credit cards, no uh, cell phone pings or whatever. That's that's the one thing I remember from the serial podcast. But, uh, right, yeah. you just say some shit. Like you get all you really got to do is open a conversation with, "Hey, how much do you know about Russia?" <laughs> Not very much. <laughs> cool. Can you name any barons? Well, good news, okay. you can now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the other the the like uh, no, in between, he did like a ramping up noble title, where he was already saying he was a baron from Russia, and then he moved to the Netherlands and started calling himself a Count of Orange. And apparently, oh. you know, like the House of Orange is the Dutch royal family. Like that's only for royal Dutch people to do. And he just said, ah, me too. That's me. Oh, so that's a Dutch accent? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was doing when I was doing Alex's voice earlier. That was Dutch. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Implacable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nobody can pin down the Dutch. <laughs> and apparently, like, Dutch intelligence investigated him and declared him a, quote, international swindler based on, uh, you know, what he was doing, because uh, oh, it's not true. That's the best thing to put on a business card. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the awesome title, Dutch cop. Right. <laughs> and then... Uh, I would get caught just to say that title. Oh, you're arresting me, the international swindler? And they're like, just get in the car. Just stop it. <laughs> <laughs> what is my crime again? Say it. Say my crime. International say my crime. swindling. <laughs> 
Swundergulden. <laughs> well, and then uh, to the Andorra part of the story, apparently uh, this guy Boris, um, like throughout this story of pretending to be different kind of nobles, he's also romancing rich widows to like get money out of them. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, yeah, that, yeah you got to do that. Yeah, I have to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so he. Hey, lady, you ever been with an international swindler? You have now. <laughs> you have now. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, so Boris is in a relationship with a woman named Florence Marmon, who's the widow of an American millionaire. And the two of them moved to the country of Andorra in 1934. And he immediately starts doing what, what the Wikipedia article describes as networking. Like he starts networking with all classes of Andorran society. Because you can, it's tiny. Mm-hmm. And then he, sure. in May of 1934, goes to the Council of the Valleys, which was the name of the like, like um, constitutional monarchy legislature in Andorra. And he presents them with a proposal to make him the king of the country. And they <laughs> reject it and make fun of him. And he leaves and moves across the border to Spain because he's so mad. Uh, and then when he's living in Spain, <laughs> okay. he describes himself as exiled. Like as the exiled king of Andorra, oh. which is very funny to me. I gave him a, I gave him a twenty-minute presentation on PowerPoint. Yeah. He laughed at me. That's why I call myself the exiled king of Andorra. I am the exiled manager of my local blockbuster. <laughs> right. I, I know it was twenty years ago. They've since collapsed without my rule. Did you get uh, exiled from uh, Blockbuster, Robert? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. They didn't call it exiled. It would have been cool if they did. <laughs> Blockbuster swindler Robert Brockway. <laughs> Just uh, sitting in the parkway, uh, sitting in the parking lot, looking at your kingdom. I really like that. Like someday, <laughs> <laughs> bring my own little crown. Got eight bags of Twizzlers. He's like, I didn't pay for any of these. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and, my lost kingdom. And so Boris is in a Spanish town directly across the border. And he, according to the article, he starts wearing a monocle and also carrying a baton because he thinks that's more royal and more stylish. And then he's right. Shit, is he my is he my best friend? I think he is. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then the other thing he does is he, I'm, I'm just thinking that monocles remind me of Brendan McGinley, recent guest. Anyway. Uh, the other thing oh, yeah. he does is he sits down and writes an Andorran constitution that he feels should be the new constitution of the country. Um, he has 10,000 copies printed and distributed. And the gist of the constitution is that Andorra should modernize and it should become a tax haven. Like these are ideas he's bringing to the table. And the legend is kind of fuzzy, but basically he goes back to the council, says, I've written a whole new constitution for you. It's amazing. In exchange for that, you need to make me Boris I, Prince of the Valleys of Andorra, Count of Orange, and Baron of Skasaref, the ruler of your country. And it, they, it sounds like they kind of played around with the idea for a week or two. And then Boris declared war on the Spanish bishop, who's one of the co-princes. And then the Spanish authorities dragged him away, and that was that. I was wondering how he was going to fuck this up. Yeah, I yeah. was wondering. Oh, you're doing so good. You're doing so good. What are you going to do to mess it up? Oh, yep. Declaring preemptive war. Right. <laughs> and Classic blunder. And declaring war on a bishop? Like, what would it, are you going to conquer his, his uh, church? Or would it, it doesn't make any sense, but that was the plan uh, yeah, from that's there. How I, that's how I lost my blockbuster kingdom. <laughs> my baton against your scepter. 
at dawn. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I think if you declare war on like one specific guy, he doesn't get to bring the country, but you get to bring your country. So it's like it's Andorra versus the bishop. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think that was I kind of that. his one plan. bishop fighting like nine ski cops. And when he tries to bring like anybody else into it, you're like, no, no, no. I declared war on the bishop. Just the bishop. <laughs> not, not the cops, not the army. Right. Send your wife home. She's not a part of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and, and it's just such a specific uh, idea to have and way he messed it up. And, and it almost seems like, especially if I'm Googling present day Andorra correctly, it almost seems like they used the tax haven idea. Like they went for it. But right. the swindler was just too aggressive and weird. You broke the deal. To make it oh, work. Andorra yeah. was the real swindler. Yeah, Andorra's the real swindler the whole time. Yeah, so I think Andorra is the scammer. Uh, and if anyone's listening there, tell me I'm wrong. But uh, it seems like it is. Good job. You <laughs> yeah. nailed it. What are you going to do, Andorra? <laughs> tell him he's wrong. See what happens. Tops, that's like 76,000 people. You don't scare me. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. But and and this guy's oh, amazing man. to me. I, I love that guy. And like I I he, should he tell people great. like my podcast secretly incredibly fascinating. I do extensive research and don't just lean on Wikipedia. But this guy is not well sourced outside Wikipedia, and and also mm-hmm. his Wikipedia article is really funny to me because there are three pictures of him in it, and in two of them he's wearing a monocle, which I don't think anyone really <laughs> uses. And then <laughs> the third picture is him in a World War II Wehrmacht uniform because one of the only other things we know about him is that post-Andorra, he was a Nazi collaborator. So really terrible oh, guy oh, all around. Oh, uh, you really the worst. juked us. A twist there at the end. Uh, really <laughs> yeah, you got bad. me to say I love the guy. You really coax it out of me. You said he was your best friend. <laughs> I did. Oh, shit. Best friends with a Nazi. Ah, <laughs> uh, the old... The old Nazi double take grift. You got me. You got me with it. I should have known. Classic Schmitty. Classic well, we appreciate trick. you doing Wikipedia research for our podcast while doing very extensive <laughs> research on your own. <laughs> I appreciate you uh, reading anything for our podcast. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you reading the message that we send asking you to be on the podcast. We now know not to trust Barron's the monocled or Nazis. So that's, I think we all walked away a little better. Yeah. And I really want like a Just solid two years too late for me. <laughs> I really want like a solid book or article or something about this guy. Cause it's either, I want a movie, right? Cause it's either real and amazing or a really great internet hoax, you know, which is also now fun because so many people believe it at this point. Like, like it's really exciting. I think he'd make a good pinball machine. they should do more pinball adaptations skip movie adaptations just this dude is pinball now i'd do it i'd be there for it hey you know what i think it's time for i think it's time for Uh, sean baby's book game you know what time it is book game sean baby's book game Sean Baby's book game. Oh, oh, that's nice. <laughs> is it? Thank you. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is the uh, first Sean Baby's book game that uh, tests your wits as well as your fate. And uh, Brockway, I know I'm putting you at an unfair uh, disadvantage entering a battle of wits with uh, Jeopardy champ Schmitty. 
So to even right, I was out, already losing this. Yes, I, I just want you to hear the rest of this. To even things out, it's a book based on one of your areas of expertise, joke architecture and video games. Because what we're reading is Mirthful Combat, Jokes with Bite, B-Y-T-E, by <laughs> Riddle King John Byrne. Not famous comic creator John Byrne, but the maker of terrible children's real books. So, My God, to get me to hate something twice in one title. That is just efficiency. <laughs> does he, so how we're gonna play excuse this? me, does he call himself a Riddle King like on the cover? Uh, not in this book, but in other books, yes. Oh, great. <laughs> I, I own, Classic I own several of his books. <laughs> He's the Riddle King. Uh, you can judge for yourself if, uh, if that's accurate, but I, as we've learned, you can just declare yourself king and it usually works out. So uh, how we're going to play this is I'm going to give you the setup from the book. You're going to select them randomly and uh, you have to guess it. Uh, I will decide if you're close enough. Uh, and very dangerously, your opponent can steal. And we're going to play to five points. Uh, I think we'll get there fast. These are not complicated riddles. How the book is laid out, there are 10 levels and each of them has 30 jokes. I think this was some sort of an arcane video game reference I don't understand, but uh, Alex, you're going to pick 1 through 10 and then 1 through 30. Uh, 5 and 6. What do Vicars play on Sunday morning? Remember, this is a video game theme. What do Vicars play on Sunday morning? And Robert guesses first. Uh, you guess, oh, I and guess if first. you blow it... Alex guesses first, and then if you blow it, Robert gets a chance to steal. Oh. So you're both trying to solve this. Okay. Uh, what do Vickers play on Sunday morning? I'm going to say Super Mario Fathers. That is not correct. Ah. Rock, will you have a chance to steal? Uh, Vicar racing? <laughs> they play, you're going to kick yourself. Him Tendo. Oh boy! Oh, I'm gonna kick. Go. I'm gonna kick something. Uh, ah. Just for this was uh, made in 1993, so uh, this would have been just pre Super Nintendo, just to help you like narrow down. Okay. Um, so that was um, him. The that. kind of a uh, the kind of riddle we're gonna be dealing with here. Let's uh, try another <laughs> one, Robert. Um, your turn to pick. Uh, all right, nine mm-hmm. and seventeen. Okay. Nine and 17. <laughs> okay, this is a little play, so you're going to have to just uh, do the best you can with the return dialogue. Um, <laughs> doctor, doctor, I have this terrible urge to steal things. You've got to help me. You just, you just, this isn't, I'm going to give you a different one. That's not, it's not possible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Off to a great start here. <laughs> It said, the doctor says, I, this, this is what the doctor says. It says, certainly, but first take my Game Boy out of your pocket. Like, the, I couldn't have expected anyone to get that. That makes no sense, wow. even in the context of a child's riddle book. Can you imagine <laughs> yeah, I don't. having a brain that would come up with something like that? I'm going to give you a number 18, which, start is, to get it. which is possible. What computer games do giants play? And I'll uh, give you a hint. You would not call this a computer game. This is how a grandpa might refer to video games, also with a, a terrible pun. Well, computer games do giants Wait, play. But hint made everything worse. I almost had a guess. <laughs> uh, no, I don't have anything. I don't okay. have anything. Alex, do you have a guess for this? Uh, well, computer games do giants play, but... The answer is written by an ancient grandfather. 
yes, someone who <laughs> has made a, a terrible mistake somewhere in the <laughs> nomenclature of, of these computer what's-its. Um, Many tendos. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Nintendo, whoa, because it's so big. Oh, that's pretty close. Oh, my God. Nintendo. God damn Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I hope, I hope this entire book is just riddles. You built a pun off of one letter in common? Right. One letter in common is all you needed. And uh, you might notice Nintendo, you wouldn't refer to as a computer game. Nope. Just no. that's what I meant by it. this This man's understanding of the thing he's writing about is very, very thin. So uh, we might have to play to just one. I, I, I thought these might be easier, but this might be a very, very tall <laughs> task. So, uh, Alex, uh, your turn to pick. Uh, let's see, one through ten, and then one through thirty. How about nine mm-hmm. and eleven? Whoops, nope, nine and twelve. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't do that on purpose. I'm so sorry. Nine eleven. Whoops. Okay, I'm gonna give you nine eleven. What did the mummy monster say when baby monster spent all his pocket money on computer games? <laughs> Wait, what did the... What did the mummy monster say when wow, baby you monster built... spent all his pocket money on computer games? Built three layers to this thing. Like, oh, mommy, <laughs> not mummy. Okay. Um, mummy. Uh, um, <laughs> I, uh, Nintendo don't do that. I, I have nothing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But that's not right. It's not close enough for me to even give it with a with a judge's decision. Cool. So, uh, Brockway, you get a chance to steal. What the mummy say to the baby? He spent all his pocket money on computer games. You little fucking shit! I swear <laughs> to God. That's every time. Every time. Not exactly right. You're gonna really hate this. I want. I just want you to prepare for this. Excellent. The mummy monster says, "A ghoul and his money are soon parted." There's just, there's just no way. There's unrelated no way to, to that one being a baby, unrelated to one of them being a mummy. It's not related to video games, it's which is the core. not even related to video games. It's just he was buying a computer game. The... Multiple computer games with pocket change, which means he hasn't even shopped for computer games. Those were like 60 bucks. These uh, other... <laughs> I do hate this. Other than the language being <laughs> relatively old-timey and elevated, these are these are like the jokes written by a baby. You know, like when a really little baby or yes. toddler is like, I have a joke for you. And you're like, sure. It's always just non sequiturs. It's great. Right. <laughs> it's it's t- a tightened up just a little bit by the grandpa, but yeah, not yeah. much. Like, <laughs> Can no, I just say? Mummy Monster points to a lack of editing. Like if this book had an editor, they might have said, you know, we don't need to call it a mummy monster. Like it's a it's a talking wrapped dead person. I think I think we can leave the monster out of it. Yeah. I think I see what you're doing here with this choice, though, in that it's impossible to replicate the thoughts of a maniac who then is also an idiot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what you're really doing is giving me, like, pretty much a guaranteed tie. And I, I just really appreciate that. You know that I need that. My pleasure. It is your turn to pick, and um, you could get the win. We're playing to one now, so it's whoever gets one. <laughs> yeah. we, can't, we can't play to one. If we play to five, we'll be here all day. No, we can't play to one. We can't play to one because it's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We're playing to zero until we all give up. All right. Well, one more. One more and we'll move on. 
Yeah, that's it. That's probably wise. Good broadcast skills there. Uh, three mm-hmm. and twenty-seven. Okay. 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 Why didn't the skeleton like two-player computer games? Why didn't the skeleton like two-player computer games? Uh, I feel like this is solvable. If you summon your inner Laffy Taffy, this could get you the win. He didn't like passing the bone. That is not correct. Damn it. Uh, Alex, do you think you can steal this? Why didn't the skeleton like two-player computer games? I'm astonished because I I think I might have something that is a a functional pun to go with it. And I really didn't think Mm -hmm. it would. No. But the skeleton didn't like two-player computer games because it was harder to find someone else at his skull level that is an appropriate joke for this book but not okay. close enough for me to give you the credit i feel like it's um, the best joke this book has ever has ever made <laughs> it's it's pretty good um the actual answer is he had no body to play with which i feel oh, like okay. solvable. it's okay it's within the memories you know it's still zero zero if we have time later We'll try to get a winner, but for now, uh, this one's going to stand as a tie. And I feel like, I feel like everyone's life has been just made a little bit worse, dramatically I, shortened. Yes, I just I lost apologize for that. like seven months, seven months off my life, <laughs> like the good part of my yeah. life. It's just gone. But we've also sort of uncovered a weird theme that it's it might have been rewritten from a Halloween joke book to sort of like yeah. roughly include computer games. That was yeah, it is stuff. weirdly monster centric. Yeah. <laughs> yeah very strange that's one of the things i love about uh our website uh one nine hundred hot dog is we find these weird books and it's like oh cool i'm gonna make fun of this book and then you always find some sort of weird affectation of these people like something like beyond the obvious insanity like like obvious is a bad riddle book but why is he obsessed with monsters what what happened that caused this and that's i think what becomes fascinating about like you know, digging into this absurdity. <laughs> yeah, there needs to be like a making of this book. There needs to be like a Herzog documentary about what went wrong here because right. it's just too much. Or a pinball machine about it. Right. Yeah. A Herzog directed pinball machine about a joke book. Well, the crushing is spared the ball as it bounces down the pads. <laughs> <laughs> I, had an, I had an impression banked. Oh. <laughs> Did that? I don't think that sounded like it. But what, thank you for that. Close uh, enough. <laughs> I think I was I doing think my, every impression. Is I was right. doing my uh, Todd McFarlane. I, I do a really good Todd McFarlane when I talk about like the darkness that you might find. Like, like for example, like if if you walked into Todd McFarlane's house, he'd say, "Darkness, what's inside of it? Which woman took my credit card?" Hi, I'm Todd McFarlane, and you're like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't know enough about Todd McFarlane. He but used to do you know a show. What? called Spawn and it opened on him like working in his basement and it would cut to him and he'd be like how far would you go to get a ham sandwich returned from your worst enemy who took your ham sandwich 17 years and you're like what are you talking really? about Todd McFarlane boom and then it would just cut to Todd McFarlane Spawn it's one of the truly weirdest openings of any show have you guys seen the intentionally funny comedy show Garth Marenghi's Dark Place before yeah that's exactly what I was yeah, thinking it sounds of. like yeah. the actual start of that <laughs> let's do your grifter Mr. Brockway. Oh, right. Uh, okay. It, it, was, it was very interesting to me that you brought Andorra, which seems like a country perpetuated on scams. Right. 
when the uh, the con man I want to talk about is pretty intrinsically linked to a country that is scammed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but mine has the balls to commit and not even exist. Uh, it's a whole scam country. Whoa. And the lady behind it, who I, I would just love to talk about, I, any excuse I get to talk about her, is uh, Elvira Gamboa. <laughs> Sweet And that's name. a great name, right? That's such a good grifter name. Like, right, already. Yeah. But she changed her name later to Perlasia Gamboa. Is it's it? Not, not it's quite good. as good a grifter Eight name, out of ten. Right? Isn't, isn't... Yeah, but Elvira Gamboa is a ten. Absolutely. Solid ten grifter Isn't, name. like, just there the name the Elvira, D. that Halloween lady from TV, right? Like, old TV? Yeah. yeah. So there's... Uh, that's, she, yeah, she's with a, a separate Elvira completely. With the Dracula tits. I mean, it's, it's great. Yeah. It's a great name with a storied <laughs> legacy of sex and confusion. Uh, you couldn't ask for a better grifter name. And then she changed it to Perlasia Gamboa. <laughs> and then she changed it again to Bay Katagumen. Hey, which uh, uh, she's getting worse every time. Getting worse every time. However, this is the least insane fact I know about her. Bay Katagumen, uh, according to her and nobody else, means princess of unity uh and it's a title she says was given to her when she solved the central conflict of warring indigenous tribes in the mountains of the philippines nice it does and when sound asked like, about like it she says racist, like native name <laughs> yeah bay katagumen means princess of unity and she got it by solving a war of indigenous people that are impossible to check with and she you takes every opportunity to say in what she i am a princess uh, that, that's it. She just says she brokered a peace in the mountains of the Philippines, and uh-huh. they bestowed the title of princess on her. So her, she changed her name to princess? <laughs> so, like, while she was a tourist, these two warring tribes were like, look, is she a white lady? No. No, she is, uh, where is she from? I believe she is Filipino. Okay. So they saw okay. this, this tr- tourist, this, this Filipino tourist, and they said, let's get her to broker our peace. We're never going to agree on everything, but I think with her help... Well, if she is Filipino, she says they were indigenous people in the Philippines, so I think she just wandered into the woods. Okay. (laughs) And then met a a mystical society at war, war. and then solved their central conflict. Okay, I buy Like some sort of... Like a scam Narnia. You know, your basic scam Narnia situation. (laughs) And this is... None of this is... This isn't the scam. It's not even related to the scam. This is the least crazy fact I could come up with there. So... That's just to give you some grounding. Uh, I am not so to derail starts... it. I am imagining myself in Scam Narnia now. Like Mr. Tumnus takes my wallet and yeah. knocks me over or something. Really fun. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, just a whole, a whole grifting universe. I'm getting lured into Hid- a cave with Turkish delight. Oh no! What am I doing? Right, right. <laughs> I mean, honestly, any world that you have to enter by going into somebody's closet, just come in the closet. There's a whole world in here. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a scam. Right, right. It's it's at best a scam. If you're lucky, it's a scam. <laughs> so in 1995 was the first time anybody knew about Elvira Gambo. I'm going to use that one because it's, it's my you. favorite. Uh, and she came out of nowhere. Uh, she was looking for a, like a really small loan uh, at a local bank for a car. It was like, it was like $20,000. Like we're talking new Camry loan, not, not something crazy. Mm-hmm. But she didn't apply for it herself. She wanted it uh, for a, a business car from Bank Asia. So she loves just putting things together with Asia. She thinks that's just 
a real a real solid sounding thing like that's not going to trip your alarm <laughs> so so she made up this bank yeah yeah she made up this bank called bank asia but that's Pearl my asia. bank wait wait are you telling me bank asia is made up oh no well i would never i would never dare to commit because i don't want to risk her wrath but yeah you know probably your money is is it's in scam narnia man. right i assume that name wasn't taken because uh, little do does she know, but most countries in Asia consider themselves separate from other countries in Asia. Like, you wouldn't start an enterprise <laughs> right, that's very just few. called the Asian thing. Like, no, you're from a specific place <laughs> in this continent. Very few Chinese call themselves the Asians. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird thing that they do. And being from the Philippines. Anyway, uh, so she says it's for a business called Bank Asia, and, like, this tips off the bank, clearly, <laughs> Who can who has the ability to look up other banks first right. of all, and, and they they come back and they they tip off the feds and they come back looking into it, and they're like, oh shit, people so they've been soliciting deposits for this bank, they've been representing themselves as a bank, this is what gets them into the bigger scam, ah. this twenty thousand dollar car loan that she wanted, this like small potatoes thing that she risked it all for. Anyway, that's how they found out. God, I hope they say this right. That's how they found out about the dominion of Melchizedek. Hmm. Sounds exactly right. <laughs> you can't prove me wrong. <laughs> I'd like to see you try. Uh, the dominion of Melchizedek uh, is a fake country that they made up, complete with Bank Asia, fake bank, uh, that acted as kind of, kind of like a scam mothership, like a headquarters. Ah. It's like a home base four grifters all around the world. I don't and know why you said was, like a mothership when Scam Narnia was right there. We've been talking about it all day. It, I didn't want to go back to Scam Narnia. It's, it's Scam Narnia. This is Scam Narnia. <laughs> this is where you come from. And, and so what they do is they, they present themselves as a country so that they can issue official-seeming passports. Uh, they can you know, represent themselves as a bank. So uh, anybody running a scam can say, you know, check with my bank at the Dominion of Melchizedek. Ah. And to do this, they did need a physical space to be able to call themselves a country and get anybody to recognize them. And what they did was they declared an island uh, that was mostly underwater and sometimes completely underwater to be their, their homeland, <laughs> not realizing... <laughs> Somebody already owned that island. They thought it was safe because it's just like a sandbar that is completely submerged at high time. But it, it's part of the Caratane Islands in the South Pacific. And so uh, they declared this their homeland and started kind of a, a conflict with, with the Caratane Islands. I do love that they didn't, like, check. Like, like no, you can't just, check. like, go out in the beach and say, like, hey, check out that little island out there. Let's just declare it. Like, no, no, I bet no one has called that yet. Let's just call that our country. It feels yeah, it, childlike, I guess. Really, the, the only, like, the only thing they have as a, as a natural resource in the Dominion of Melchizedek is balls. It's just <laughs> straight, low-hanging, ground dragon balls. They're an underwater <laughs> fish people, but they have giant balls. They are ground dragon balls intermittently, depending on the sea level. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so they, they started this conflict with the Caratane Islands that, that was just a low-key, you know, you don't, they didn't have people on the ground there, like, treading water for half the day to try to, to, try to claim this. 
They don't have like they, a floating they army. Kind of, they don't have like a, ro- I mean, they a rowboat force. They could have claimed it. I mean, if you're going, yeah. if you're going all in, go all in. Say you're mer people. Say you have an army of mer people. Right. I mean, uh, they later this did. This must have been a real identity in, crisis uh, for those Carrot Islands, where they're like, "I think these guys are less of a country than we are, and we're the Carrot Islands." <laughs> like, come on, <laughs> I. <laughs> we're underwater half the time. We're out here treading water twelve hours out of every day. We're doing the work. Yeah. <laughs> but they uh, they so committed, the Dominion of Melchizedek so committed to this being their homeland that uh, they found out. Uh, the French were just still doing nuclear weapons testing in the South Pacific, and they declared war on the French. <laughs> how how they do in that war? Uh, they didn't. <laughs> they didn't show up for that oh. war. They declared it, and then somebody asked France, "Hey, how do you feel about uh, this guy saying he's at war with you?" And they're like, <laughs> "What? Pourquoi?" The end. <laughs> uh, they didn't stop there. Of course, uh, they then threatened the French with their stockpile of Soviet nuclear weapons that they had somehow acquired and had hidden in the Carpathian Mountains. I mean, the Carpathian uh, Mountains. Yep. I know that from uh, Ghostbusters (laughs) 2. Right. Another another area that just, it doesn't feel quite real, does it? Right. I don't believe you. I don't believe you, Ghostbusters country. Yeah, right, Carpathia. I'm going to get so many angry Carpathians. <laughs> right. Hey, Sean, what's, their, Carpathia. what, what's the Carpathian accent going to be? Let's see. How about... Oh, I'm, I'm from Carpathia. I'm a big fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to tell, tell me to get fucked. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. And, and the official statement of France is, this was ignored. <laughs> we do not honor your war. <laughs> we're we're not going to do this is what the french said right we're, we're doing real country shit here uh it's busy doing real country shit just stop it so did elvira uh, this... uh drop a nuke on them to like let them know she was serious surprisingly no oh. uh they they managed to keep some restraint and they uh they took it down a notch and they just kind of forgot about that war <laughs> uh they did try to start a few more though it, <laughs> I mean, that one didn't work, so you got to keep going. Uh, they tried to claim a Colombian island, a small island, uh-huh. 300 miles uh, off the coast of Colombia. They tried <laughs> to claim another French island. So, and I do know enough about islands. A that, Nicaraguan like, island. Like, I've heard about wealthy people who just go buy islands, of course. Like, I didn't know you could just run out there and declare one yours. That, well, that it's saves a lot like of money. That king defense. Like, just nobody, for some reason, until 1995, <laughs> nobody had tried to just say, hey, it's mine. Okay. This island is mine. I, I know you think it's yours, <laughs> but it's actually mine. Uh, none of this worked, so they then tried to claim huge portions of Antarctica. Oh, great. Because they were unclaimed land. <laughs> okay. So the problem with all of these previous claims is that other people were like, no, it's mine. Right. So they found the only portions of land that were not claimed in in Antarctica, and they tried to to claim those, which uh, I mean that that almost kind of worked because wow. like nobody was there to say no, don't do that. Sure. And they uh, uh they appointed a representative from their new Arctic lands. Uh, they started using his name on banking documents. <laughs> uh, his name was Mr. Harvey Penguini. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Harvey like the animals he lived among. <laughs> Mr. Harvey Penguini. I would have gone was full Linguini Penguini. <laughs> I think Harvey lends a touch of cuteness, though. Like relatability. <laughs> Linguini Penguini. I, I don't know. I can't talk to that guy. I can talk to Harvey Penguini. That sounds so like dumb. That sounds like if the kid from Ratatouille was Batman's The Penguin. That's the best. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Right, and even the later, later they're investigated for fraud, and the the fraud investigator uh, came to that part, and he described it in the official records as cute. That's <laughs> correct. Officially cute. It's right. Yeah, officially. It's officially, cute. we wrote it down. It's cute. <laughs> I, I can verify. So it. none yeah. of this stopped them. None of, none of this stopped them from being like the home base for fraudsters around the world. They they were kind of a the backbone of several international frauds. Uh, Gamboa herself then went on to start another fraud because this this clearly was not enough fraud, uh, just wasn't doing it. So she started a fake gold mine, and oh. uh, started talking up this fake gold mine, which you would think, it seems like a high stakes one, doesn't it? Like that's a place that you can go to, sure, and see, is there a mine here? Is there equipment? Is there gold? And the answer to all of those things was no. Right. Uh, was her idea that she would. <laughs> sell the gold mine or that she would like use it as collateral for something her idea was more about the corporation behind the gold mine so she told everybody she had this gold mine up and running and she started you know selling penny stocks for it and announced this uh expansive revolutionary new like ore mining system Mm -hmm. that would just dramatically shoot them above other gold mines in the area and that that did boost (laughs) her stock by a little bit enough for her to you know short sell it and uh, it turned out that when they then investigated this claim, they found that that revolutionary uh, refining mechanism, and it was a six hundred dollar machine for melting down scrap jewelry. It was purchased on eBay, and it was broken. <laughs> <laughs> I like that it like exists though. They could have just said they had it, but they like <laughs> right. no, we we need like to have a real item that does it. What if somebody checks? We need to have this. <laughs> like <awesome>. it's <laughs> that's an aluminum can crusher. A... No, it works on gold. You you gotta see it on gold. It's such like a thirteen year old's understanding of how like business might work right. if they yeah. did no research. And like this is the kind of thing I would put on a book report if I hadn't read the book. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, it's it's. You know, it's for melting down jewelry. That's what you use to use in mine. Anyway, yeah, it does feel like book report. like if I was building a joke about a guy who owned a gold mine, I would hit a point where I'm like, I don't really understand what that means. Does one person own a gold mine? Is it like a conglomerate that owns a gold mine? I would like have to look it up to like get a full understanding of gold mine. But like, I feel like the imaginary dumb me that I'm talking about is still smarter than Elvira. <laughs> like, I still think. The dummy who literally knows nothing about gold mines knows more about gold mines than this woman. Well, yes, because you were willing to look it up. This happened in uh, 2006. Wow. <laughs> so you could Google it. That's my favorite part. This, this whole scam yeah. was pretty Googleable, <laughs> wasn't it? It, was, it wasn't even like the pre-Google sketchy search engines. You didn't have to ask Jeeves it. You could actually Google it. Yeah. You had the same tools that we have today. And you could say Penguini. That's an unusual surname. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Harvey Penguini so much. I think I, I'm going to put that on my grifter business cards. Harvey Penguini, 
international swindler. It's a, it sounds like a penguin who produces spaghetti westerns. That's what it sounds like to me. It's great. I'm really into yeah. it. <laughs> it is. He has a long and storied career. Yeah. <laughs> so she she moves on from this this scam to uh, she somehow gets involved with another scammer, uh, just purely accidentally. She wasn't in cahoots with him. Uh, there was this guy that was being grifted for investing in the Queen Mary, the ship uh, mm-hmm. off of uh, Long Beach, sure. you know, the big tour assassination from like Arrested Development stuff. Yeah. It's like saying, you know, you want to buy a steak in the Brooklyn Bridge. Like it's, <laughs> it's a very obvious, very easy scam. This is post-2006. This is like late 2000s. So he shouldn't have fallen for this. And then he started thinking, am I being scammed? <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And so the person he turned to for help was Elvira Gamboa. Uh, I bet she was a big she help. Said, and she was such a big help. He, gave, he took all the money out of this other scam, and he gave it to the much bigger scammer. He found the one bigger scammer in the world, possibly, and gave her all the money. And what she did was uh, get a bunch of thugs to just push him into a hotel room and then keep him there while she spent her money. So you see the quality of the scams <laughs> just kind of going down. He's like, oh, I wish I could get out of this hotel room and catch her and stop her from spending my money. <laughs> then she comes back. She's yeah. like, spent it all later. He's like, oh, there's nothing I can do. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. started off so strong. You made a fake country. Like, that was, oh, it was so good. <laughs> and then you're just like, this is a lot of work. What if I just rob a guy? Yeah, at a certain point, uh, you're just robbing a guy. <laughs> I also like that anytime you're hearing somebody's plan, you know it's a total mess as soon as they use the clause, some guys. As soon as that's part of the plan. Like, and then some guys, nope, bad plan, get out. It's not not good. Uh, (laughs) I do like how eventually she got to a place where where she's like, let's uh, strong arm a guy and take his money, tell him exactly what the crime is, add kidnapping to the charges, and then just walk away you could do that every day to every person you met really like yeah i don't see and and would you would you believe it it didn't really work this is when people started to to look into her and be like hey wait a minute is all of this stuff you've been doing real and and uh, of course the answer was no so they they started threatening they they started saying you know you can't use melchizedek you can't use this bank you're under investigation and uh she her response to that is my favorite thing in the world. Uh, I'm not going to use any further qualifiers. It is my favorite thing <laughs> unabashed in the world. And it has been this way for, God, like almost 10 years since I found out about her. Her quote in response to being investigated in a message she sent to California Deputy Attorney General David Green was, I will do metaphysical battle with you in your dream state. And if you interpret your dreams correctly, you will know that I am the victor. Oh. <laughs> that, is, that started real strong and just petered the fuck out. <laughs> I think it's strong to the end. Imagine how fucking wrecked you are as like just a boring ass bureaucrat, a deputy attorney general, and you open this letter. As I will do metaphysical battle with you in your dreams. T- what the? I'm but not qualified he has to for like this. Interpret it artistically later. Like his teeth fall out in the dream. He's like, wait, was that the one where she won, or is that just an ordinary weird dream? Yeah. Right. And then the impetus is on him to figure out how he got his ass beat. <laughs> That's such a power move. Yeah, I guess you're right. I, that, I I give you I give you the responsibility of figuring out how you just lost. <laughs> oh shit. 
Oh, I just I just stamp forms for a living, lady. My God. Right. Robert, that's one of the best things I've ever heard. Uh, that That's great. <laughs> yeah. It's also, if I was a bureaucrat and somebody sent that to me, I would know it's not true, but when I'm going to bed that night, like 1% of me is still like, is this going to be a weird dream? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I know it's not true, but. Right. You could, but. You could be totally grounded and be like, this is, this is hilarious <laughs> bullshit. It's still going to fuck with you in some part. Yeah. I do. It's so I do out like of left field. All of our grips feel like really desperate. Like there's a chance they'll work. And I feel like this is that. Like it's a desperate <laughs> chance that she has haunted this man for the rest of his life. Probably not, but she might have. But what if he, what if he believes it? And yes. he just calls the whole thing <laughs> off and he's like, oh shit. Uh, I got to get the rest of California on the phone and tell him to leave this lady alone. Yeah. I don't want to have to interpret my dream states. I'm not qualified for that. Because I, I almost feel like it's more likely to work because this guy is high ranking, right? Like he has further to fall if this is somehow true. Like like he probably went to some Ivy League law school and now he's the attorney general of the biggest state. So like if this is in any way true, he's going to feel totally bonkers, right? I don't know. Something something about it. It's a, it's a real home run swing and I like it. And this is post uh, Dennis Quaid's dreamscape. So, like, he has to know that it's possible it's in the to attack people in your dream. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she's quading him. Sure, sure, no, sure. Fucking yeah. Or that Freddy Krueger, this bureaucrat. When did the Christopher Nolan dream movie come out? That was around this time, right? <laughs> it might have been based on this. I think, you're uh, probably right. <laughs> yeah, I think that was the inspiration for most of Nolan's career. <laughs> Is questioning of reality, just and, and how and our place in People it. People walking out of Inception, like that was However, nothing like Melchizedek. I'm so angry. That was a terrible adaptation of Melchizedek. <laughs> they left out the war with France. They left out the nuclear weapons. They left out the takeover. They left out Harvey Penguini. Are you fucking kidding me? He well, left it all on the floor. Depending on how you interpret Inception, the landscape itself was Harvey <laughs> Penguini. <laughs> you have to interpret it correctly and then you'll get it so wrapping up her her sort of deal that's the high point for me uh this is you know it's less interesting that she had an aneurysm and claimed she died for three days and then came back to life it's just you know it's not gonna beat that quote uh no. but that's that's basically the life story of my favorite con man elvira gamboa who was a uh she was a native princess she was president of an underwater fake country. She owned Antarctica for a while. She was a psychic assassin yeah. and also Jesus Christ. And she inspired uh, Elliot Page to play the role of Harvey Penguini in the hit film Inception. I mean, they were all Harvey Penguini, really, you know? Like, you can't capture that oh, character right. in one we, performer. When you think we about all, it, when you think about it, they were all Harvey Penguini. I am Harvey Penguini. Yeah, played by Tom Hard v. Penguini, right? There you go. That's the thing. Put that in the riddle book. 1-900-HOT-DOG. Before we go, Alex Schmidt, please plug your fantastic podcast. And tell people where to hear you. Oh, well, thank you. And uh, yeah, I love making it. It's called Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. It's had many fun, wonderful guests, including Sean and Robert. What? Oh, uh, yeah. And it's about the history and the science and the lore and the surprises all behind something that you think is ordinary so uh we did an episode with with these guys about ham uh, there's also been ones about 
chairs catch up, the color gray, the post office, like all the things that are kind of in the background of your life. Uh, it's a show about why those are amazing. And I, I find the funniest people I know to come talk to me about it. Uh, so please check it out. The title is Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Uh, the website is sifpod.fun. You can find it there. We can vouch for it. It's fantastic. And you do and you do amazing bonus episodes. We did a really fun bonus episode with you too oh, that you man. can get from, you know, subscribing and kicking up the level mm-hmm. and giving a little bit of support. He does a little song every episode too. And if you hear And a dance, you can't see it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I really limber up. It also it uh that podcast includes one of like my favorite joke involving hee haw ever told from Robert. It's the best thing in the world. And I, I hope people check it out. And you will never, ever hear it unless you support this man. God damn you. God damn your ears. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here. Oh, man. And uh, I, I, I don't think I said before, I just love the website uh, and, and the oh, cursed thanks. books and, and everything else in it. So it's, it's been a real thrill uh, talking about that stuff with you guys. It's great. Thanks, Schmetti. Thank you. We will see you in a few weeks. Cue the German theme song! <laughs> that is our show. Thank you for listening to the Dog Zone 9000. I'd like to thank all of our patrons, especially our Hot Dog Supremes, Timmy Leahy, Matt Riley, Nick Heyman, Brianne Whitney, Three Finger Louie, Hawk, Rhea, Dean Costello, Nick Ralston, John, Jeff Atwood, Yanis Ioannidis, John McCammon, Armando Nava, Lyman Zadarfan, Micah Phillips, Neil Schaefer, Jaber Al Aden, David Forniff, the artist formerly known as Devin, Eric Spalding, Neil Bailey, Josh Fabian, Toasty God, Mike Stiles, Aiden Moat, Adrian Hisbrook, Zachary Evans, Yosarian, Josh S., Ken Paisley, Dr. Awkward, Benjamin Saranen, Jane Gordon, Doug Redmond, Lane Haygood, and of course, Luke Skyjogger. We have a bonus episode this month, patrons only. It is where I explain one of my favorite fake fighters and very failed grifters, Matthew Klein Cater. So please listen to that as well. Otherwise, we will see you soon, 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 soon. Yeah, 9,000.